1: Hello, beloved family. How are you doing? We are on Friday before Gaudete Sunday, the third Sunday of Advent. Our journey is halfway through to the coming of our blessed Savior um, uh, at Christmas Eve. It's so, so beautiful. And this uh, tomorrow, actually, the 16th, begins, uh, if you if you do a Christmas novena, it starts tomorrow, and the o-antiphons, o which include the novena, or I should say the novena includes the o-antiphons, uh, begin on Sunday and end on Christmas Eve. It's so beautiful to take your family through that, dear ones. So if you have been busy shopping and decorating and doing all of that, which is not the spirit of Advent, but if you've got gotten caught up in that for whatever a reason, um, now is a time for you to take your family and your children through a time of prayer, fasting. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Everyone could give up. It doesn't mean going hungry. Uh, you could give up desserts between now and Christmas Eve, or um, uh, something like that, or, or give take the money that you would Spend on dessert as a family and pool it together and give it to the poor. You could spend these two weeks of Advent truly, truly rich and really um, uh, appreciate Christmas when it comes more deeply than ever before. I know in most cases so much is done with parties and decorating and everything before Christmas that Christmas Day, Christmas Eve is exciting, but... Then, blah, it's over, or after you visit the family Christmas week, and it's over. Um, But the fact is, it just begins on Christmas Eve. It just begins, and it's not over till Candle Mass on February 2nd. If you would live, if we would all live our Catholic faith the way the Church has given it to us, we would change the world. We would be totally changed, and we would change the world. So continuing with Dom Guerin Jay's um, The Mystery of Advent, written in the 1800s, he said, This, then, is the threefold mystery of Advent. The liturgical forms in which it is embodied are of two kinds. The one consists of prayers, passages from the Bible, and similar formula, in all of which words themselves are employed to convey the sentiments which we've been explaining. The other consists of the external rites, peculiar to this holy time, which by speaking to the outward senses, complete the expressiveness of the chants and words. First of all, there is the number of the days of Advent. Forty was the number originally adopted by the church, and it is still maintained in the Ambrosian liturgy and the Eastern Church if at a later period the Church of Rome and those which follow her liturgy have changed the number of days, the same idea is expressed in the four weeks, which have been substituted for the 40 days. You see, beloved, through the years, um, each time our sacrifices, our liturgies uh, have been downsized ever so little and sometimes imperceivably, but they have. We've been robbed of the faith. We've been robbed of the faith. I've been listening to Father James Maudsley, a convert to the faith, um, and he is urging us to go back to the pre-55 liturgy for Holy Week, if not for everything. And I finally looked that up and what it was under Pope Pius V. Uh, who said that nothing was to ever be changed that he did. It's so beautiful. We have lost so much of our holy faith. It's just tragic. We've lost it because we've gone along with the world. People uh, don't know how to sacrifice. They don't know how to wait. Everything is push-button, fast food, and the same things happened to the liturgy, and it's tragic. It's truly tragic. Um, uh, so... And again, Advent from 40 days to four weeks, which is 28 days. Um, So we should, um, little by little, uh, parents, with your family, with your children, uh, if you don't have an Advent wreath, go ahead and get it now. Put the three purple and one pink candle in it. It's not too late. It's never too late to practice your faith. And for this coming Sunday... Gaudate Sunday, you would be lighting two purple candles and one rose candle candle, the rose for rejoicing that we're halfway through Advent. And then next Sunday is you'll light all four candles. It doesn't matter that you haven't done it till now. Clean your table off, clean your dining room table off and put a little wreath and put four candles. You can go to Walmart. you can go anywhere and get Advent candles. And little holders to put them in. Don't worry about it, but it'd be wonderful for your children. It will form them. Those little things will form them. And you can get readings for Advent online, uh, and read the scriptures. The mother lights the candles by the old, while the oldest child reads the scripture, um, and you do that all standing at the table, prior to saying grace and then you have a meal together with the candles burning. It, 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 the families that haven't practiced that, it's so simple, and it changes the lives of the children. Um, let me see now. Um, the new birth of our Redeemer takes place after the four weeks, beginning Christmas Eve, as the first nativity happened after 4,000 years, according to the Hebrew and Vulgate chronology <clears throat> as in lent and you know advent is called a mini lent it's not the strict fasting but we should be fasting through advent whether it's desserts whether it's fasting from coffee or putting salt on our eggs or uh, reducing meals or skipping lunch whatever it is this should be a form of fasting as in lent So likewise, during Advent, marriage is not solemnized, lest worldly joy should distract Christians from those serious thoughts wherewith the expected coming of the sovereign judge ought to inspire them, or from that dearly cherished hope which the friends of the bridegroom have of being soon called to the eternal nuptial feast, John chapter 3. The people are forcibly reminded of the sadness which fills the heart of the church by the somber color of vestments. Excepting on the feasts of the Saints, purple is the color she uses. The deacon does not wear the dalmatic nor the subdeacon the tunic. Now the deacon and the subdeacon, this is speaking of the 1800s prior to Vatican II, no new order of mass, no novus ordo. None of that. This is the traditional Latin Mass. The morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, the morning of the church shows how fully she unites herself with those true Israelites of old who clothed in sackcloth and ashes, waited for the Messiah, and bewailed Zion that she had not her beauty, and Judah that the scepter had been taken from him until he should come, who was to be sent the expectation of nations it also signifies the works of penance whereby she prepares for the second coming full as it is of sweetness and mystery which is realized in the souls of men in proportion as they appropriate or rather as they appreciate the tender love of that divine guest who has said my delights are to be with the children of men It expresses, thirdly, the desolation of this bride who yearns after her beloved, who is long a-coming. Like the turtle dove, she moans her loneliness, longing for the voice which will say to her, Come from Libanus, my bride, come, thou shalt be crowned, thou hast wounded my heart. Her beloved is long a-coming, if, if those of you who have received our Christmas newsletter, the cover has um, a, a Hebrew Torah on it with the scroll that predicts the coming of Messiah with its uh, scripture, and the, the hymn that we chose is, Come Thou Long Away to Jesus, Come Thou Long Away to Jesus, Come and Set Thy People Free. That is what Advent's about, and we sing it. The Church also, during Advent, accepting on the Feast of Saints, suppresses the angelic canticle, Gloria in excelsis Deo, et pa' homnibus bone voluntatis, for this glorious, song, glory to God in the in the highest, and peace to people on earth. For this glorious song was sung at Bethlehem, over the crib of the Divine Babe, the tongues of the angels are not loosened yet. The Virgin has not yet brought forth her divine treasure. It is not yet time to sing. It is not even true to say, Glory be to God in the highest, and peace on earth to men of good will. <clears throat> oh, dear ones. There is the music for our first break. It always comes so quickly. We'll continue with this. We're almost at the end of God dom gerringer's um, treatise on the mystery of advent we'll complete it when we come back and after the second break take your calls and your emails um, uh, with anything that's on your heart the toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com and we'll be right Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current. Father Robert McTague discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app.
2: What you're offering and giving to me, you deserve to get back because you're offering more than I can
0: give. I learned so much through the station on the cross. I listen to the radio station daily and I absolutely love it.
3: I was attending the chapel and places like that. And through your programs, I was able to find out how other Protestants had come back into the Catholic Church. God bless the station of the cross. Donate today at thestationofthecross.com. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. At your church, there's probably some great music, enthusiastic clapping, and maybe even a shout or an amen. But where's the church-wide act of contrition and the confessing of sins? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible and the church. Psalm 47 does declare, shout unto God. It does say, clap your hands, all you people. But there's one more highly valuable physical expression, strike the chest. What's that? Three times your fist strikes your chest for external admission that my sins were my fault. Secondly, order of the Within the first 60 seconds of a Mass, the congregation says together, Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, each of those are followed by my firm strike upon my chest. And my take out of Luke 18 says, But the corrupt tax collector dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed, but beat upon his chest in sorrow. Proper order is confession before praise, sorrow before joy. And this makes sense. Why? Because remember what Mom said, dinner first, then dessert. So don't forget to strike. Find me online at Smarty Pants Catholic Evangelism.
1: Um, and I'm thrilled to be with you. Um, let me um, continue. We're almost at the end of Dom Garanger's Mystery of Advent. Um, <clears throat> okay. At the end of Mass, the deacon does not dismiss the assembly of the faithful by the words, um, Ite Missa Est, he substitutes the ordinary greeting, Benedicamus Domino." Uh, blessed be God, domino, as though the church feared to interrupt the prayers of the people, which would scarce be too long during these days of expectation. In the night office, the Holy Church also suspends on those same days the hymn of jubilation, Deum Laudamus. Um, it is in deep humility um, That she awaits the supreme blessing, which is to come to her. And in the interval, she presumes only to ask and entreat and hope. But let the glorious hour come. When in the midst of darkness, darkest night, the sun of justice will suddenly rise upon the world. Then indeed, she will resume her hymn of thanksgiving. And all over the face of the earth, the silence of midnight will be broken by this shout of enthusiasm. We praise Thee, O God, we acknowledge Thee to be our Lord. Thou, O Christ, art the King of glory, the everlasting Son of the Father. Thou being to deliver man, didst not disdain the virgin's womb. On the ferial days, the rubrics of Advent prescribe that certain prayers should be said kneeling at the end of each canonical hour, and that the choir should also kneel during a considerable portion of the Mass. In this respect, the usages of Advent are precisely the same as those of Lent. But there is one feature which distinguishes Advent most markedly from Lent. The word of gladness, the joyful Alleluia, is not interrupted during Advent, except once or twice during the ferial office. It is sung in the Masses of the Four Sundays, and vividly contrasts with the somber color of the vestments. In one of these Sundays, the third, which is coming up this Sunday, the prohibition of using the organ is removed, and we are gladdened by its grand notes, and rose-colored vestments may be used instead of the purple. These vestiges of joy, thus blended with the holy mournfulness of the church, tell us in a most expressive way, that though she unites with the ancient people of God in praying for the coming of the Messiah, thus praying the debt which the entire human race owes to the justice and mercy of God, she does not forget that the Emmanuel is already come to her, that he is in her, and that even before she has opened her lips to ask him to save her, she has been already redeemed and predestined to an eternal union with Him, this is the reason why the Alleluia accompanies even her sighs, and why she, she seems to be at once joyous and sad, waiting for the coming of that holy night, which will be a brighter, which will be brighter to her than the most sunny of days, and on which her joy will expel all sorrow, beloved. Are you in a Novus Ordo church that has not ceased to use the organ, that has not followed um, all the rubrics of Advent? It is so so beautiful. I know when I began to experience the Latin Mass, and and the um, the how do I say the history. Uh, the rights, R-I-T-E-S, that were ours, that we have been robbed of, prayers and rites of the church. I was, I was overwhelmed. I was a little angry that I had been robbed of them for so many years because I didn't know. But it's so beautiful. And if you go to a Latin Mass, it will help you to raise your family in the faith, the true faith, the full faith, not just go on Sundays, not just celebrate Christmas and Easter, but walk with Christ through the entire liturgical year. This Saturday, tomorrow, beloved, um, we, the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, and a great many uh, of Catholics throughout the world will attend a Rorate Cheli Mass. Rorate Mass is celebrated during the Advent season. It's for Our Lady And it means rarate uh, cheli. Cheli is heaven, rarate, drop down ye heavens. It's right from the scriptures. They're the opening words of the introit, which is the opening prayer, uh, opening psalm or antiphon, coming from Isaiah 45, verse 8. And it reads, drop down, do ye heavens from above, and let the clouds rain the just. Let the earth be opened and bud forth a savior a Rarate Celi Mass is traditionally celebrated just before dawn in Advent as a devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. We're going to be there at 5.30 tomorrow. It begins at 6. Totally candles, no electric lights. The Mass is only lit by candles representing Mary's role in bringing the light of the world into the darkness of the world. The Rarate Celi Mass originated... In the Middle Ages, as one of the many Advent devotions to the Blessed Virgin Mary, the liturgy was very popular among the people, especially in German-speaking areas, and was commonly celebrated on all Saturdays during Advent, with some areas having a Rorate Mass several or even all weekdays of the season. Mass begins in darkness before sunrise with only candles lighting the church, to remind us of a world in darkness and sin that is anticipating the coming of the light of the world. Beloved, can you take, if you took your little children there, they could experience that. Why is it dark, Mommy? Why this? Why that? From a young age, they could learn their identity and who they are and their glorious faith. As a vote of Mass for the Blessed Mother, White vestments are worn instead of the violet normally, used, violet normally used during Advent. The mass readings and prayers highlight the prophecies of the coming of Christ and Mary's role in bringing the light into the world. <clears throat> um, if you're online, there's a little note here that the National Shrine of Our Lady of Champion in Champion, Wisconsin, we'll celebrate a Rorate Mass on Saturday. Um, oh, it was, it was this past Saturday. Um, okay, so that was this last Saturday. Um, in Tyler, Texas, it's going to be this uh, coming Saturday, which is tomorrow. So if you're in the area of Tyler uh, and you have not had a Rorate Mass in your diocese, or not had the opportunity to go to one, it's being held. It'll begin at 6 Um, a.m. in the dark with candles at the Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception here in Tyler. It's very, very, very beautiful. I experienced it first in New York, and um, I was in heaven at the the majesty, the, the faith, the deep faith, the true faith um, uh, that has been celebrated uh, for centuries in the church and that most Catholics know nothing about, especially since Vatican II with Novus Ordo. I I don't know, maybe there are some Novus Ordo churches that have a Rorate Cheli Mass. I, I would hope so. I haven't known of any, but I would certainly hope so um maratecholly mastering advent um the ember days uh the rotation rogation days um the fasting the beauty of our faith the beauty of their, our faith beloved it's exquisite and i, I often refer back to my Jewish upbringing. We weren't orthodox. We were starting out conservative. We did go to shul on the high holy days and we fasted on Yom Kippur and we changed dishes during Passover to not have um, leaven in the house and uh, not mix meat with milk. And we did many, many things. Um, and, And it formed us. It told us who we are. It wasn't a holiday coming up. It was always... I don't even know if we use the word holiday. They were holy days and they were days set apart for God. And schools were closed because we were off on holy days. Um, And the Jewish population was so large in Brooklyn that they, when we were out, the schools were closed and all the non-Jewish children and families loved us because they got to have a day off school um, because of our holiday or holy days. Um, and we 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 knew if it was before Passover or after Passover. Um, if it was coming up on the fall feasts of Hanukkah, of Yom Kippur, of Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Dedication, um, the Tishri, all the beautiful feasts. We knew where we were at, and it was... Um, It was a liturgical year. And again, we weren't totally orthodox, so we didn't follow it as faithfully as as I now wish to follow the entire liturgical year of our Catholic faith, which is Judaism fulfilled in our Messiah, spread to the four corners of the earth. That's what the Catholic faith is. Um, But we knew who we were. And um, uh, holidays or holy days didn't interrupt our cycle. Christmas came and went, and and the world did its thing, but we knew who we were. And um, it, it was we were apart from the world, and we didn't dress like the world, and we didn't act like the world. And it wasn't a loss to us. It was a strength to us. If anything, in my heart, it was a loss to the rest of the world, that they didn't have who we had, they didn't have what we had, we have. Why should I have been born from a, a Jewish mother's womb? Why should we have been flooded with such grace? We didn't do anything for it. It's it totally from God. Uh, I, I I've never gotten over that, and and now into the Catholic faith. Do I deserve the Catholic faith? Do I deserve knowing who the Messiah is? Do I deserve being able to receive him at mass, his body, blood, soul, and divinity? Do I deserve being forgiven? Do I deserve any of it? No, I deserve hell. Mother, you don't deserve hell. Come on, you're living a good life. You're all that. People say, no, I deserve hell. Everybody deserves hell. There is none good. There is no one who hasn't sinned. We all deserve hell, beloved. Heaven is a free gift of God a gift that we will never earn, that will never be good enough for. We could live a good life. Without the grace of God, we will spend eternity in hell. It is a gift, beloved, that we will never earn or deserve. But it's a gift that if we turn from and throw away, then we have refused the gift. A gift can be received or refused. If we refuse it, then we spend eternity in hell. If we receive it, and live according to God's love and commandments and His requirements for our forgiveness in confession, then we are on our way to heaven. We'll be right back after this break.
2: Did you know that an unwanted car or truck can make a great gift? When the time comes to purchase a new one, consider donating your old car or truck to the Station of the Cross. We have a quick and simple way for you to get rid of your unwanted vehicle while supporting the solid Catholic programming you love listening to on your radio, online, and through your mobile devices. Whether they run or not, we accept cars, trucks, RVs, boats, and motorcycles. It's a great opportunity for you to give more than you might normally be able to. At the same time, you'll be clearing out space in your garage or driveway, ridding yourself of an unwanted vehicle, just visit us online at thestationofthecross.com or call one 628 cars one 628 2277 May God bless you for your generosity in support of Catholic Radio.
0: Here at the Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received.
2: I discovered the Station of the Cross rather providentially a year ago. I've been a loyal listener ever since. I can't overestimate the value of the station when it's made a difference in my life in terms of making me a better informed Catholic. It has enriched my faith and sold me during tough times. It made me laugh on several occasions. I commend the important work of this great apostolist.
1: I'm a stay-at-home mom. I listen to the radio. And if I can listen to something that brings me closer to God, closer to Jesus Christ, then it's the most beautiful thing.
0: If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112. Then share your testimonial with us.
1: And you're welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart. Not what we're speaking about, but the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. And the toll-free numbers is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at com. We have an email from Will. Will says, hello, Mother Miriam. A blessed Advent to you. Thank you, Will. I was wondering, what are your thoughts about Christmas music? When do you think it should be played? if at all, and why. I have heard different stances on this. Well, Will, um, of course it should be played. Christmas is Catholic. It's our holiday. It's the birth of Messiah. My goodness. Of course we should pray it, play it. I don't think uh, Frosty the Snowman and Jingle Bells is going to help our children grow up um, into uh, good Catholic children. But you can go online or buy music, however you get your music, and just search for traditional Catholic Christmas music. That's it. Not just Christmas hymns or Christian, but traditional Catholic Christmas hymns. Traditional Catholic Christmas hymns. I just took a look on YouTube. They're endless. We play hours of them here. Traditional Catholic Christmas hymns, and you'll have beautiful, beautiful music uh, for your family and children. So I suggest that, and when it should be played, from Christmas Eve on, from Christmas Eve right through to February 2nd, because that's the Christmas season. Um, Prior to Christmas Eve during Advent, you can play Advent music such as, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, Come Thou Long-Awaited Jesus, uh, O Come, Divine Messiah, very beautiful, beautiful hymns for Advent. Um, Many of you know the um, sisters of um, the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of the Apostles. They're located in Ephesus. Um, It's the Priory of Ephesus in Gower, Missouri. Many of you know them because uh, they became an abbey a couple of years ago. And um, this past year, their foundress, um, Sister Wilhelmina, uh was found incorrupt. Um, we uh, my sisters and I were at her funeral over four years ago, and this year the sisters went to exhume her body and transfer whatever remains to their crypt. And when they uncovered her, they found her completely intact. Um, not, her her uh, the entire coffin was shredded around her, deteriorated bugs and all that. But not a thread of her habit was touched, completely intact. And so um, it's become very famous place. But those Gower sisters, um, uh, thanks to the beautiful skill and talent of their abbess, uh, Cecilia, um, uh, have produced many, many albums. And if you go on YouTube or other places, you can uh, put put in... Um, benedictines of gower or uh, of ephesus and type in advent music and you will bring up they have a, a beautiful advent album you could purchase it from them or listen to individual songs on the internet the same thing with christmas music and and lent they have an entire lent album the music is very beautiful with beautiful appropriate songs so um that's what i suggest dear will We have an email from Kelly. Kelly says, Hi, Mother. I have three young children, and I'm really thinking hard about different Christmas traditions that I might be able to start with. My apologies. Um, uh, I have three young children, and I'm really thinking hard about different Christmas traditions that I might be able to start with our family. How do you normally spend Christmas Eve and Christmas Day with your religious community? And do you maybe have any other recommendations, especially some that might be particularly memorable for children? Thank you so much, and happy Advent. Kelly, I cannot recommend anything greater to you than the article Michael Matt has written. Uh, I think he has seven or eight or ten children. I don't know, eight children. I'm not sure exactly a thoroughly magnificent model of a Catholic family. And he has written years ago, uh, Waiting for the Christ Child, the Christkind, they called it, from, I think, uh, German origin, Waiting for the Christ Child. And I came across that article. It's Remnant TV. um, And I came across the article in their archives um, years ago, and I read it, and my heart melted. And so I, n- I have not only included it, I think three years in a row, um, on our website, uh, in our newsletter, but I've read it as well. In fact, I might, uh, it's in this year's newsletter as well. I might read it uh, one of these days. Uh, I should read it, because not everybody gets our newsletter. I'm enthralled with that letter, It because it is, it's not, fiction it is simply the story of michael growing up in a true traditional catholic family and with all his siblings and with a very um faithful catholic mother and father and what they did during advent and what they did especially christmas eve kelly if you don't have that story Go to, and you don't, if you're not on our mailing list, go to motherofisrael'shope.org. That's our website. And right on the home page, you might have to scroll down through one email. You will see the Christmas newsletter for 2023. And just click on that, and it'll take you to the newsletters on our website. And then I think you have to click once more, it'll bring up the entire newsletter, and just scroll down. Until you come to the story, um, Waiting for the Christ Child, and read it, Kelly. That'll give you every single suggestion, heavenly thought that you could want. I can't do better than that. I grew up in a Jewish home. We didn't have all those traditions, and we hardly have them now. What we do now as a religious community is we, we live the, truly live the rule of St. Benedict. Uh, in all its prayer, we start at five in the morning and we end at 8:30 at night, eight, eight offices during the day, mass, a holy hour and a half every single day. And um, of course we don't we don't decorate until Christmas Eve. We don't have lights, uh, even a tree up until Christmas Eve um, because we truly want it to be a time. We have we take our we have a, a, a very beautiful, uh, Christ child that we keep all year round actually under our altar um, but we take him away for Advent we do everything and we have an Advent wreath and we do everything to um, pray for the coming of Messiah and we fast and um, uh, and and we we're not fast totally not a severe fast but but we do participate in fasting um and uh, abstinence from meat um on wednesday friday and saturdays it could be all of advent we have those three days um and christmas eve um we spend we we go to christmas eve mass we come back and then we first light our tree and um uh, have uh, a beautiful Christmas snack together and we pray Compline and we go to sleep and then we wake up Christmas morning and we have gifts. I have gifts for all the sisters. They don't have money. We don't. Uh, they don't buy each other. They cannot. But as a community, I provide gifts for the sisters and often uh, people in the community, wherever we live, might bring um, cakes or whatever it may be so uh, it's always a beautiful Christmas and we have music, uh, true Christmas music for the first time on Christmas Eve. And Advent music once in a while before then, but not often. We we pretty much uh, spend Advent in silence. So, uh, but Kelly, if you go and read the article, Waiting for the Christ Child, I almost want to beg you to do that. You'll see how... Um, Michael, Matt's family, uh, they made a little manger um, out of wood, a homemade manger, and they had a lot of straw, and the manger was empty, and all through Advent, every time one of them, particularly the children, did a good deed, whatever it was, they would take straw, a piece of straw, and put it in the manger, and the hope was that by Christmas the manger would be so full and fluffy, it would be a wonderful bed for the Christ child. It's a beautiful, beautiful um, tradition. I'm telling it to you, I have chills. I've never found anything more beautiful than that true-to-life account of how the Matt family spent Christmas and how they passed it on to their children, and their children are now doing it with the grandchildren, and I can't imagine that Matt family tradition will ever be stopped. It's truly beautiful. Okay. We have an email from Paul who says, Hello, Mother Miriam. I think about you often, and you are always in my prayers. Thank you so much, Paul. He says, How are things going with the bishop transition in your diocese? Have you been able to meet the interim bishop yet? Do you have any idea where things stand with Bishop Strickland? Well, if I answer in order, um, so far, there's uh, as far as the bishop transition, have you been able to meet the interim bishop? Um, it, he's not an interim bishop, but he's a bishop who's an interim administrator, and I'm pretty sure that's what you meant. No, I've not met him. I don't know that I will. It's not my plan. It's it's totally up to God. Um, I know that he's been here and worked with some people. Um, he's a good bishop, Bishop Joe Vasquez from Austin. Um, so So far, I haven't heard anything about a new bishop, Um, The entire diocese is still uh, sick emotionally um, that Bishop Strickland was removed and for no reason and no proper um, um, process or anything else. But we uh, believe with Bishop Strickland that the Pope has the power to do what he wills. And so uh, he had the power to appoint Bishop Strickland, although I think Pope Benedict appointed him, and he has the power to remove him. So we we leave it in God's hands. Um, do we have any idea where things stand with Bishop Strickland? Well, uh, I I've not been in touch. I've been in touch with him since he was removed, but not quite recently. Um, he, um, I think, he mentioned uh, speaking with Taylor Marshall that he was going to take some form of retreat during Advent. But he also now has a YouTube station, and I saw yesterday his message that he really, as a bishop, his heart is to support priests. And he's reaching out to any priest and all priests, no matter where they are, in the diocese or elsewhere, to be of support to them in any way he can. So he continues. um, His plan is to continue to teach the truth, the true deposit of faith, and to support as many of the faithful as he can, and particularly bishops. That's everything I know. And that's, I think, everything Bishop Strickland has said. Okay, we have an email from somebody who writes in anonymously and says, Can you suggest any topics where Catholics and Protestants can reach common ground? I have a few Protestant friends who are curious about the Catholic faith, and I notice that things tend to resonate with them better when they realize that we actually agree on a lot of things. Thank you, Mother. I'm going to say uh, that on one hand, there are many things we have in common. On another hand, we have absolutely nothing in common. And I personally take the second stand, that we have nothing in common. Because the only thing we truly have in common is to be part of the one Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church that our Lord established, which is the Catholic Church. To be outside of that church, you have remnants of the faith, but nothing in common, because nothing you believe is within the context of the church Christ established. You're outside the church, and so nothing can be truly in common. I'll continue this as soon as we come back from the break. Don't go away.
4: Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network presents Saints and Seasons. On December 15th we celebrate the Octave Day of the Immaculate Conception and the Feast of Virginia Centurione bracelli Widow. Virginia Centurione was born in the year of our Lord 1587, the daughter of the Doge of Genoa. Though she felt a vocation to the religious life, she agreed to her family's desire for an arranged marriage with nobleman Gaspari Bracelli, who turned out to be an alcoholic gambler with no sense of duty to his family. The couple had two daughters before Virginia was widowed after just five years of marriage. Virginia took a vow of chastity and raised her daughters with the help of family until they were both married. Then she devoted the rest of her life to prayer and charity, building a home for the needy that soon developed into a congregation of women religious, still existing today as the sisters of Our Lady of Refuge in Mount Calvary. Though she attempted to resign from administrative tasks and serve only as a humble sister, she was eventually called back to her position to continue dealing with noble patrons and benefactors. She passed away at the age of 64 in the year of our Lord 1651 and was canonized over 350 years later. Her body is incorrupt even now. Also honored on this day are St. Valerian, St. Maximinus, and many other martyrs, confessors, and holy virgins. For more about the saints and seasons of the Catholic Church, visit thestationofthecross.com forward slash seasons.
3: McLean here host of a catholic take heard on the station of the cross each weekday morning at 7 a.m eastern a bold synthesis of information and inspiration keeping you up to date on the news and issues that you may have missed from a courageous catholic perspective that's a catholic take weekday morning 7 a.m right here on the station of the cross and the free iCatholic radio mobile app download it today god love you
1: Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We have 10 minutes, time yet for you to call in uh, with anything on your heart. Dear ones, toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at com. We began an email just before the break. I'll reread it here. It comes from anonymous. Uh, who writes, can you suggest any topics where Catholics and Protestants can reach common, common ground? I have a few Protestant friends who are curious about the Catholic faith, and I notice that things tend to resonate with them better when they realize that we actually agree on a lot of things. Thank you, Mother. I said before the break that on one hand, there are many things we believe in common, and on the other, there's nothing in common, because outside of the one holy catholic and apostolic church that our lord established there's really not common ground let, let me explain a few things if you say what do we have in common well we believe in the trinity father son and holy spirit protestants and catholics uh the one god and three persons we believe that god sent his son to earth that our lord took flesh and blood through the Virgin and became man for us. We believe that he died on the cross for our sins, that he rose from the dead, that he gives life to all who will come to him. That's very general and very, very crucial. So in that sense, there's a lot we have in common, the most important things. But here's why I say, in a sense, we have nothing in common. I've never said this before. I don't think I've thought it before, but you just triggered my thought let's say um you have a son and or daughter in your family and they leave home and they have uh, they're not part of your family anymore we, we we're not we don't like this house we're going to do our own thing we found a family we like better they happen to be Hari christian or whatever they are uh they're they're christians whatever they are um, and they have adopted us, and we're with them. And But but it's Christmas, so we want to get together. Well, the parents, it's probably crazy, but I've thought about it just now. The parents never cease being heartbroken that their flesh and blood, that their children to whom they gave birth have abandoned the family and found another family they want to be with and consider that that's their family now. So now they want to get together for Christmas, and it's very hard for the parents to deny that because they're really their flesh and blood, and they love them. So let's say they say, well, okay, we'll get together for Christmas, join us for dinner, or whatever it is. And the son and daughter come, and they're, they're, they're guests in their house, and they've abandoned the family. And they say, you know... Mom and Dad, we have these things in common. Our new family, they believe in Jesus. They believe in this. They believe in that. And We believe the same thing. We have it in common. Well, the parents can acknowledge intellectually that issue, but their hearts are broken, and they'll say, we have nothing in common. You have left your family. Anything else is not the family that you came into, and we could say that of the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is the church our Lord established. The church for which he gave his life. Not an invisible body of believers, but a hierarchy. Judaism with a hierarchy of liturgy and of of food and of of authority and government, all of that. Just as the Jews had our Lord, uh, the word kahal, Q-A-H-A-L in the Old Testament meant the people of God, the called out ones. And in the Greek of the New Testament, the Koine Greek of that time, uh, the word is ecclesia. It means called out ones. And God took what was his uh, plan in the Old Covenant with his people Israel and made it in the New Covenant. Uh, That's why uh, St. Peter says in his letters, you are a chosen race, a holy people, set apart for God, a people for his own name. Peter quoted Moses uh, in Exodus 19. You now are the people of God, Uh, not just uh, Israel, but everybody that's been grafted into Israel, uh, Hebrews uh, chapters 9 through 11. You who have been grafted onto the root, which is Israel, Israel. you are God's people. You are now a chosen people. You now are a called out people with a hierarchy, with a priesthood. Uh, all all of you are part of the common priesthood. Um, but your leaders, your hierarchy, just as in the old covenant, are the ministerial priesthood. God never did away with the priesthood. He never did away with the priesthood. He- our high priest and he has appointed uh, priests under him to lead the faithful just as in the Old Testament um, the Old Covenant and so you can sit around with Catholics and say no um, you left you left your family you followed Martin Luther or you followed Zwingli or or, uh, I don't know uh, Calvin or or earlier uh, in the church, the splits, and you could say, we retained this, we retained that, but you did not. Because to retain anything outside the church is to lose your mother and father, is to lose your home in the context of your home. So, for example, Protestants believe that God forgives sins, and they're absolutely right. But God forgives sins can he forgive sins uh, without a priest? He can, but he's given us the priesthood um, uh, to, that we would confess to him through the instrumentality of his holy priests. And so Protestants say, I confess to God, and if we confess our sins, First John 1, 9, he's faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from all sin. That's true, but we are to confess our sins to a priest, beloved, Um, um, can we confess them directly to God and will he forgive us? Yes. Must we go to a priest? For venial sins, no. For mortal sins, absolutely yes. So you say we forgive. And the other thing is, if you simply say, God, I'm sorry, and it's a venial sin, will he forgive you? If your heart is true and you're repentant, yes. But you will miss out on the grace of penance. The, The penance God gives us to repair the damage that our sin has done. And we do that penance, we don't work out our salvation by doing penance. We do penance because we have been forgiven. Now, if we don't do penance, it affects our forgiveness because we are given that to do. We need to obey it. But it's because we've been forgiven that God gives us the opportunity to make reparation. Protestants don't have that. They don't have hardly the means of grace, that Catholics have. So you could say, but we believe this. God forgives sins. But as Catholics, we know that he forgives sins outside of the judgment of God. Every Protestant's on their own. They're their own pope. When we go to the confessional, it's the judgment of God, not of a man in clerics, but it's God who speaks through that priest to forgive us, to absolve us, to give us penance. And a good priest like Uh, Padre Pio, who has refused to give people absolution because he knows that they're lying or there are other sins they won't fulfill or they won't um, confess. So in the sense, if someone has left the true family of God, uh, I say we have nothing in common. But if you would look into the Catholic Church, your true home, read the Church Fathers' Um, and find out uh, who your mother, the church, truly is, then you can come home and be fully home with all the love, all the grace, all the means of getting to heaven. And you will be overwhelmed with the beauty God has died to give you. There's the closing music, beloved, and we'll be with you, God willing, tomorrow. God bless you.